Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. As you are coming in, be sure to drop where you are tuning in from in the chat. Let me know where you're tuning in from. I am Pastor Courage Molina. Welcome to Bold Faith Community Church. We are a virtual church. And so that means that our services are online. We're live in the chat and it is followed by our small group discussions. So we'd love for you to join us for that. What is it that we do here? Really, our goal is to introduce people to Christ so they can follow him and equip them with how to study the word of God so they can apply it in every season of their life and in every area of their life and really begin to see their life transform as a result. That's what we do here. Now, how can you join? One, by showing up every Saturday. We're here at 8 a.m. Join us in the chat. If you can't get here live at 8 a.m., then taking the time to make sure that you're watching it during the week and commenting in the chat so we know that this is your home and this is where you're from. Two, join the community on Facebook Bold Faith with Courage Molina. That's a place where you can post your prayer requests, things that you're doing, get connected to other members of the church. The second thing that you do as a member here is serve, serving. We have volunteer opportunities. Uh, One of those things is Bible reading. It's something that I absolutely love that we do Monday through Friday. We're right now reading through the chronological Bible reading plan. And so that is one volunteer opportunity. Uh, We have our social media team, like just all the things, right? All the things. There are lots of things that you can do to serve here. And last but certainly not least is giving. You can give your tithes and offering here. So as a member, I attend church. I'm a part of the community. I'm engaged. I'm connected. I'm showing up. I'm serving and I'm sewing here. That's how you know if you're a member of Bold Faith Community Church. Speaking of giving, it is time for our year in giving. It used to make me nervous to talk about it. It does not because I get to see all the things that we do um, as a result of your generosity, all the things that we're able to do. People and community members can call us up and say, hey, we have a need. Can you help us? And we have been able to help them because of the generosity. So I absolutely love it. I used to shy away from it, not shying away from it because I understand what it allows us to do. So it is time for our year in giving. Um, that's the season we're in. It is December 16th. That is the actual weekend that we will be giving. We're going to have a special link for you so that we can see uh, what our, commu- our our efforts, our community efforts are able to do. Now, listen, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to decide how much you're going to give. I want you to have a conversation with God and let him tell you how much to give. Okay? That's what I want you to do. One, because it's probably going to be more than you think about giving. I know that when I asked the Lord what I was to give this year, it is certainly more than I thought about giving. Um, yeah, for sure. And the reason I want you to start talking to God about it now is because when he gives you that number, you are probably going to need some confirmation. You're going to be like, oh, say what now? <laughs> Uh, at least I am, or maybe you won't be, but I certainly am. I think that you will be too. So I want you to give yourself some time to get some confirmation because this is really something that's going to be between you and God, the amount that you give and why you give that amount. Um, it allows you to really hear from God in this space and see how God wants to use you here um, at Bold Faith Community Church. And so pray about it. Pray about how much you will give. Um, want, start with tithing. If you haven't been tithing and this is the place that you call home, then I want you to start there. This this year in giving is really about above and beyond. It's a stretch. It's that next level. It is more of a sacrificial giving for this year in things, sowing a seed um, in faith, right? And so if you haven't been tithing, then I encourage you to start there, that you wouldn't commit to a year in giving and give an amount and you go all year without tithing because you are really missing out on growth. I mean, you're really missing out on growth and missing out on an opportunity to see God 
provide for you and step in in a way that you you wouldn't be able to see him if if you you know aren't tithing and so it just it reveals God in a new way I can't really explain it except for that's just how it works so if you're not tithing then start there and uh, if you have been tithing then above and beyond right or pray about it first of all because the Lord might be telling you to do both but pray about it that's at the end of the day it's our year in giving and I want you to give what the Lord says don't listen to me actually do what the Lord says to do <laughs> do what the Lord says to do and if you need to be tithing then he will tell you that as well but do what the Lord says so pray talk to God and then come prepared on December 16th to give to our year in giving. It is also our church's anniversary, um, December 16th, or at least that's the day that we celebrate. And that, I mean, this marks three years. I am mm -mm, not about to start crying because I got to teach. But it marks three years that we have been a community coming together around the word of God uh, where God has called me to lead and to teach um, and impart wisdom from his word. Three years. I cannot even believe it. <laughs> I, am, I can't believe it uh, that we've been going strong for three years. I mean, I, okay, I can't. Um, yes, so we're going to be celebrating. I want you to come on that day on December 16th. One, be camera ready, okay, as much as possible. I don't want you to not come if you're not camera ready, but be camera ready when you come into that small group because we are certainly going to record that call, the anniversary call we typically record. Um, so we'll be recording the, the anniversary call, and um, this will be an opportunity for you to really share how you've grown as you've been planted in this church. Right? It'll be an opportunity for you to share how God has grown you and how you've seen God move um, as a result. You know, So it's going to be really good. Bring tissue. I'm not saying have makeup on because it's probably going to be some crying. Maybe I'll be the only one crying, but there'll probably be some crying. So bring tissue. December 16th, be prepared to sew. Be prepared to cry. <laughs> I guess those are my announcements. Now, we have been in the book of uh, Romans here for a minute. And so we are going to be reading from Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Just want to give a quick overview of um, chapter 1. Um, one, this is Paul that we're talking about who wrote this letter to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome has both Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. He starts off with a normal greeting, which is customary, introducing who he is and what his intentions are, just that a fact that he's been praying for them. He goes on to let them know that he's been wanting to come to Rome, that he's been prevented from doing so. But when he comes, he plans to impart some wisdom to them in hopes that they will also be encouraging him in that way, he moves on to talk about how um, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Of, of God. He's not ashamed of the gospel of God. And then we kind of transition from the intro to what's starting to be the meat, right? And if you understand that the objective of his letter is to unify a church that is uh, not necessarily unified under, under and through Christ, which requires the gospel. And so Paul starts off with talking about sin and the wrath of God, right? And so now we're getting, you know, we're getting into, so he initially starts out talking about pagans. And this is, this is it. These are the people he's talking about in that section, he's talking about before the covenant with Abraham, right? So before there was Jews, right? They were not the chosen one. Everybody was everybody. Um, this is the way that they lived. He started out talking about how they lived and what they did and how the Lord gave them over to a, you know, to base mind and, or reprobate mind, how he gave them over to that and allowed them to do things, whatever it was they wanted to do. He just pulled his hand back, the wrath of abandonment we talked about last week. And so um, because of that, because that is historically true, once you know, those pagans continue to live that way. Then God made this covenant with Abraham. And so now uh, 
the Israelites, the Jews are living a different way. They're not living the way everybody else is because they have God. God has his covenant. He's chosen them as his people. And he's put these leaders and things in place. And because of that, they're kind of looking at things, you know, homosexuality um, and uh, sexual sins and fornicating and wife swapping. The Jews are kind of looking at that like, oh, that's not a us problem. That's a them problem. We know better. We, we don't live like that. That's these other people. And so, and I mean, historically in that time, that's how they saw it. And so Paul is, starts there, you know, he starts right at the top. Okay. This is how these pagans were living and, and this is what the Lord did to them. And so God let them go their own way, their behavior worsened and they didn't repent. So they were deserving of death, which is a penalty of sin. And then we, then Paul addresses a new group, All right? Because at first he's talking about pagans. Now we get to chapter two. And I'm reading from the NIV. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 16. You, therefore, so that's why I got to give you this. That's why I got to run this back one more time, right? He says, you, therefore, that therefore is tells us that it's because of something that happened before, right? Which is why context matters. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Christ Jesus, as my gospel declares. Amen. Amen. So... Paul is now talking to Paul is now talking to and about the Roman church. When he first starts out and he's talking about all these debased things and um, everything these people did. And so God gave them over and gave them up for this and for that and allowed them to do this and that. And they gave up um, godliness and they didn't repent and this willful uh, rebellion for perverting God's glory. All of those things Paul is talking about. He is talking and describing pagans right and if you can imagine people hearing this they were probably nodding like yes that's how those people are mm-hmm yep they do that so shame shameful mm-hmm and so now Paul comes around the corner because he was down the street at first and they was like yes yes I can imagine they were nodding their heads mm-hmm that's exactly what happened and then Paul pulls up on their block and he says you, therefore, because these are pagans who don't know God, who, who don't have God, but they had an understanding of God. It was made plain to them through nature, 
Paul says. And so they didn't have an excuse. So y'all at the church who are sitting over there in judgment, y'all definitely don't have an excuse. Paul is now talking to and about the Roman church, both the Jew and Gentile converts, right? Paul is saying if the pagans who did not have a covenant with God, who do not know the gospel, who have not heard, not had not been told, if they had no excuse, y'all certainly do not. And whoever is in here judging, because you are judging, you are also condemning yourself because you are just a mere human being. So you don't need to be judging anybody. Now, God's judgment, Paul is saying, is based on truth. So his judgment is righteous. God's judgment is righteous judgment. You are human. You don't need to be judging. That's what Paul is saying. Especially when you are doing some of the thing, same things that they're doing, do you believe, Paul asked them, that because you got the Bible, because you got the Torah, because you have conversion, that can, it's not for you? That there won't be any judgment for you? Is that what you think? No, he's saying don't be misled by the fact that God does not give you your due penalty right away, right? People are out here doing things, yourself included, and God is not punishing them. God is not exacting his judgment against them right away. Paul uses these rhetorical questions. Do you mistake God's grace for condoning is what Paul said. Do you mistake God's grace for ignoring? I hope not. Of course not, honey. What you're doing when you're out here judging and doing the same things that they're doing is you are storing up wrath for yourself for the day of judgment. Because the reason that God is holding back is because he wants you to come to him, right? God is going to pay. God is going to repay every person for their deeds. For good deeds, you're going to have peace. Evil deeds, there's going to be wrath and anger. First to the Jew. So if you're doing bad, all of the people that are doing bad, God is going to exact his judgment on the Jew first, then the Gentile. All the people that is doing good, God is going to give peace first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. God doesn't play favorites. Whether you have the law or the Bible, you in church, you out of church, you pagan, whatever, God doesn't play favorites. So Paul is driving that it's not about whether you have the written law or not. That is not what determines God's judgment. It is whether or not you live it out. All right. It's not about whether or not you know it, whether you have knowledge of it. It is about whether or not you live it out. And there's going to come a day, Paul is saying, that this judgment is going to take place and God is going to judge your secret. Not the things, not just the things that everyone can see. Even the secret things that you have done that you thought nobody would know about or that no one knows about. You've been hypocritical, but nobody really knows that you've been hypocritical. You've been talking about what the shame it is for people to do certain things, but nobody really knows about it. Um, that's cool because on the day of judgment, God's going to judge what you did in public. And he's also going to judge what you did in secret. When I read this, it brings me to a question. Um, is it about faith or is it about works then? Um, especially when it says, verse six, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and mortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, right? And so he's talking about Paul himself is talking about the law now. And so it's like, so is this the law? But if we go back to chapter one, Paul wrote this. If we go back to chapter one, verse 16, this is, let me slow down. Context is so important. Because we're in chapter two, if you just started with us, you don't really have a deep background um, of what happened in chapter one, but you can watch the videos before to see it. You can watch the teachings before. 
But if I start in just chapter two and I'm looking at it, Paul is really talking a lot of deeds and works and law. He's talking a lot about the law. He's saying that God is going to be judging us based on what we did, which could lead us to believe that it's not about faith, that our salvation is not about faith. Is that what Paul is saying? It can't be what Paul is saying. That can't be it. There must be something that we're misunderstanding and we're going to get to it. But the reason we know that Paul cannot be saying that salvation is about works is because we've been studying this, as I said, and we just studied not too long ago, chapter one, verse 16, where Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So is it the power of God or is it works? That's the question I have for the text. And then he says, for everyone who does good. Well, what does it mean to do good? And, you know, who who decides what's good and what ain't good? And what is Paul's point here? Because this, this is a lot, right? So let's just go back to the top of chapter two. Um, those are just the questions that come up. Like, is this about faith? Or is this about works? What, which, because Paul seems to be confusing me now, because you just said yesterday, Paul, that it's about faith and God, the power of God is what saves. And now you're telling me that I'm going to hell basically because I did no good deeds, but I thought that I was saved already. So it is so good. Um, so people may be living, so let's start here. What, what does this mean? You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. And I want us to go back to the top of chapter two. I know those questions kind of left us on a cliffhanger. Don't worry, we'll get back to them. But let's just process all of chapter, all of this section. We'll start at the top. Um, what does this mean? You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you have judged another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Paul is saying that people may be living a wild lifestyle and doing things that you would never do. But when you start to judge those people, you are condemning yourself. He's implying that we should really leave. He's not even implying, he's saying, God, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such thing is based on truth. Yours is not based on truth, right? And it's the truth of God because God is perfect and we are not perfect. So we cannot stand in judgment of other people because as we judge them, we are condemning ourselves. It shows the reason it's condemnation for us is because if you can see that what somebody else is doing is wrong, then you should be able to see the wrong that you're doing in your own life. So if I know enough to be able to see that what they're doing is wrong, then I should be able to look in the mirror, just like I have all of this great assessment ability to judge their doings. You should be able to look in the mirror and judge yourself. So if you are judge enough to judge them, you have condemned yourself because you are not perfect. And now we know you're not ignorant. Now we know you're not ignorant of what's right and what's wrong. We think because we know God, because we're in church, because we're in church circles, because we don't live those types of lifestyles that we have decided is so beneath us. It's not the thing that we're doing. I mostly teach um, and coach Christians, believers at some level. And so there are just some conversations as a coach that we're not having because there are some things that we already know we're not doing. We already know we're not behaving a certain way. We already know we're not doing a certain thing. And so some of those things I don't even address as a coach, as a faith coach. Some of those things I don't even address, right? Because we're already believers. But just because we're not living that lifestyle, this wild and crazy lifestyle, especially the ones that he's talking about, you know, unnatural um, things and, and sexual sin and just all of these things, denying the truth about God, suppressing the truth, ignoring the revelations of God, ignoring the promptings of God. Now, we are not doing that anymore. 
right? We've kind of stepped away from that. We've grown and we understand that God has called us to something different. However, we are still falling short every day. We are still sinning. The word of God shows that we're sinners. So if I'm able to judge them, because I think I know, then that means I also am judging myself and now I'm condemned. We also falsely believe that because you know, we're experiencing and we're living kind of in this grace of God. We are not necessarily experiencing some of the consequences, right? So follow me. When we're talking about pagan living and all these people, how they live before, they're out here having sex, doing all kinds of things, which leads to what? Some immediate consequences, right? More moral um, insensitivity, um, sexually transmitted diseases, pregnancies, which sometimes often lead to unwanted pregnancies, which often leads to abortions, right? So they're going through all of these things. They are experiencing right now, they are experiencing right now the consequences of their lifestyle. They're not necessarily being kept, right? So you can kind of see that. They can kind of see that. But because of us, because of how we are, because we're not doing those wild things, we don't often see the consequences of our sins immediately because we're living under grace. But we are not living under grace so that we can continue to do what we want to do because our sin isn't as bad as that. That's what Paul is saying. That's not what this is. You're under grace. The reason that God continues to keep you because you are under grace is so that you can repent and turn away. But instead of doing that, as you continue to do whatever it is you want to do, gossiping is prevalent in church circles. Self-righteousness is prevalent in church circles. Judgment, right? Unkindness, like we, we can often be unkind. We can be mean. We can, we, in, in church circles, we are refusing sometimes to do what the word of God said because we've decided that there are certain things we're not going to do. In church circles, we're not tithing when we've been called to. In church circles, we're not starving the way we've been called to. Anything the Lord told you to do that you didn't do is sin. It is willful disobedience. It is willful rebellion. Okay? So that means... That means that we are not necessarily experiencing the consequences of that, but it's not so that we can continue. God's not continuing to keep you so that you can continue to refuse to serve. So you can continue to refuse to sow. So you can continue to gossip. So you can continue to curse. So you can continue to be mean spirited. So you can continue to hold grudges and unforgiveness. That's not why he's doing it. He is withholding to give you time. His patience is also a gift. All right. He is being patient to lead you to repent. But our stubbornness, refusal, right? Our acceptance of like, this is just what it is. I'm just going to accept. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to live right here. I'm just going to do it like this. That attitude right there in action, when God has called us to move and act, is storing up wrath for you. That's what it means. It means that all this time that God has been telling you, has been prompting you to do something, and you haven't been doing it, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Hmm. You're storing up wrath for yourself. We, the work, He told you to do what? To submit to your husband, he told you to love your wife. He told what what exactly is God telling you to do in these seasons that you're not doing because you don't do that wild, you're not living that wild life anymore. So I ain't living a wild life. I'm married, I'm you know taking care of my kids, I'm going to work, but I'm giving that church my money for what? What if I need it more than they do? Okay, cool. But if you're saying that, then the spirit of God is probably moving you to give. I, I'm not about to be getting up, going over there to that church, serving. Mm -mm, I'm not about to be doing that. Mm -mm. But if you, but it's the Lord leading you to. So you just not, you're just refusing to do what God told you to do. You're just going to keep telling everybody the same thing that happened between you and your homegirl, your sister, your cousin, your auntie, your mama. You're just telling everybody. You're just gossiping. 
You're just going to be telling everybody, okay, cool. Well, you're storing up wrath for yourself. You may not be out here in these streets, but you're storing up wrath for yourself. And God is giving you an opportunity to repent and turn away from that. It also means that God is going to repay each person that what you will get at the end on judgment day will be based on what you've done with what you know, not based on how much you know. What are you doing with what you know about the word of God? What are you doing with what you know you're supposed to be doing according to the will of God, according to what he's saying to you in your prayer closet? You are not going to be judged because you don't know as much Bible as the next person, but you're going to be judged based on what you're doing with the little bit of Bible you got. What are you doing with that little bit of words you have? What did you, okay, you didn't know as much as her, but what did you do with what you did know? Oh, you did nothing? That's what you're going to be repaid by. That brings us back to, is it faith or is it works? This is a part that I feel like we don't get to hear often enough. So I'm going to say it to you in hopes that you get it. Salvation is not just about saying that I believe Christ, that I believe it is. It's not. I know that we want it to be that it is not just saying that I believe God and I believe that he raised his son. When Paul and them are talking about that and saying that there's a cultural understanding that we don't have understanding of what it means to believe away it the cultural understanding that they have when it comes to belief is following because the word of god says if you love me then you will keep my commandments that means you will do what i say it's not just that you believe in me you're a fan and you're on the sidelines with my jersey on that is not salvation that is not a saved life because when i come to know christ then i follow him they go hand in hand. I don't have one without the other. I'm not following Christ if I don't believe him. The word of God talks about us walking in agreement. How can we walk? How can two walk together unless they be in agreement? They can't, which implies if I'm following God, I'm in agreement with him. And if I'm in agreement with God, then I'm following him. So I know in our culture and in church and in evangelism and evangelizing, and we go out and we say, we want you to stand up. I myself, I want you to say the prayer. It's also why I say, once you say the prayer, you need to get some of these things in your hands so that you can start off this walk because they are a combination deal. They go hand in hand. Paul is getting real heavy on this works in this section, but he is not he is not refuting, undervaluing, devaluing, dismissing that it, it is by faith. And it is that it is the power of God that saves you. It is the power of God that saves you. If you believe in him and you call on him, his expectation is that you follow him. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for faith. I'm doing it from faith because I, because I've accepted, this is the thing we've accepted as Christians, as believers, right? When you accept Christ as your Lord, so he can save you, right? Because he's paid to redeem you. When you accept him as your Lord, you have to remember that he still remains your Lord. He doesn't just become your savior. He isn't just the one who gets on the cross and that's it. He is your Lord now. And, and they understood what lordship meant. Um, I think it was one of David's wife called him my Lord. There, uh, Abigail got down off, uh, off her horse and was like, my Lord, right? We're talking about the Lord, but they culturally had an understanding of what lordship meant, what it meant for somebody to be your Lord. If somebody was your Lord, you were their servant. It meant that you did what they said. You cannot accept me as your Lord and not do what I say. Then I'm not your Lord. Because you're either doing what I say or you're doing what you say. And it ain't both. So it is faith and works. We know that faith without works is dead. Right? And we... we use it a lot to talk about things that we're believing for, right? I'm believing for God to heal me, right? I'm taking that belief. And so now, because I believe that I'm going to work on eating better, working out, taking my medicine, like whatever it is, 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope this is making sense because I feel like we've gotten so far from it that we invite you, myself included, we invite you to say the prayer. So you say the prayer of salvation, but we are missing this cultural understanding that they had. That's why that's another reason context matters. Because it's something that's understood there. Do you know what a Lord is in 2023? Like, are you calling anybody else Lord except for the Lord in heaven? Probably not. You're not calling your husband my Lord. You're not saying that. I mean, you might be, but I, I don't know anybody that's calling their husband my Lord. We say my Lord, and we think it is sacrilegious to call anybody else Lord. We ain't calling nobody else Lord. My Lord. She called her husband that. Okay. Do you know what that means? Do you do you have a cultural ex, uh, experience with that? No. But the people who this letter is written to, they do. The people who this a lot of these letters and and um, and um, records are written to, they were a part of the culture, so they knew what it meant to believe and and have somebody as your lord. They knew what Paul and them and Peter and them were saying. They were saying, turn away, repent and follow God. Not just accept him, not just say the prayer of salvation. Now, the power of salvation, the salvation comes from the power of God. But when I accept that, the accepting of it, the receiving of it, that puts me in a new covenant relationship. Let's talk about it like that. It puts me in a new covenant relationship. I'm accepting this, right? Because I'm saying I'm going to turn away from doing things the way I wanted to do them. I'm turning away from that. And I'm turning towards the way and the will of God. Okay? And so the expectation is that the under, the understood thing here is that if I know Christ, if I've accepted him, then I am doing good. And I'm cool with God repaying me for what I do because I'm this way. I'm not doing this for his favor. The favor of God is already on my life as a believer. I'm doing it because of his favor. Because of the faith, because I understand what it took for me to have salvation, because I understand that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for me on the cross, because I understand that he's the only one that has the ability to raise, because I understand that the law can never save me, that the law is only going to condemn me, because I understand that and he has bought me with a price, the only real option is to dedicate my life to him, the rest of my days to him. He's bought this life, it's now his. And because he's my Lord, I'm going to do what he says. Paul says to those who by persistence in doing good, what does it mean to do good? It means to do the will of God. Those who persistently do good will get eternal life. That's what Paul, listen, I'm going to read this to you because I want you to understand. It's not the one who grabbed salvation, who said the salvation prayer and then continued to do whatever they wanted to do. Those are not the ones that are going to get eternal life. It breaks my heart, too, because I know people who have accepted Christ, who said the prayer, but they continue to live however they want to live. Not seeking. Not persistently doing good. So it breaks my heart. But this word, Romans chapter 2, verse 7, to those who by persistence in doing good who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, which is eternal life, he will give eternal life. But for those, verse 8, who are self-seeking, do whatever they want to do, and who reject the truth that God is sovereign, he is the Lord, he's the only judge, he's the one in charge, and follow evil, Anything that ain't good is evil. That's how the Bible language is. Evil seems like such a strong word to us. We have variations of bad things uh, right now, right? Culturally speaking, there are these variations. It's bad. It ain't that bad. It's just all right. But the word of God only speaks in good and evil. There's not a lot of gray in the book. 
So if it ain't good, then it's evil. There will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. We have to stop qualifying evil. It's There's a line here. There's only two words here. He's talking about good or evil. To those who by persistence in doing good. Am I doing good? If I ain't doing good, I'm doing evil. That's what the word says. And so there is this inseparable partnership between your faith and your works. Those who are self-seeking reject the truth and follow evil. They get wrath and anger. Having knowledge of the word of God, having knowledge of Christ, having a jersey with his name on it, knowing all the songs, having memorized scripture, um, you know, all of those things. That's great. That's wonderful. It's all wonderful things, but it is not the deciding factor for righteousness. That's what this is saying. It's not the how much Bible, you know, is not the deciding factor for righteousness. It is what you're doing with what you do know. Well, I don't know everything, but I know I shouldn't be gossiping. Stop gossiping. I don't know everything, but I know that God's word has called me to study, to show myself approved, to meditate on it day and night, to get understanding. So I might not know a lot, but I know I'm supposed to be studying it. What did you do with that knowledge? What are you doing? You're not going to be compared to who? So that this more word, I know all this word, you memorize all this word, but you're not doing nothing with it. You only got a little bit of word, but you ain't doing nothing with that little bit. That's what God is going to be judging us on. And it says, any any talks about, you know, the secret, verse 16, this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, the things that nobody knows. And I used to wonder, you know, it's one of the things that I think about when I think about evangelism. What's going to ha happen if people never heard about Christ? What's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen to those people? As I'm reading and studying and preparing for this lesson, what God began to reveal to me is that most people know right from wrong, even from when they're little. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. Right and wrong is written in our DNA. We were made in the image of God. So we know right from wrong. We know the things we're supposed to do and the things we're not supposed to do. Our ability to self-discipline and self-regulate and all of those things, that's one thing. But we know what we should and should not be doing. We know what is good, what is right, what is upstanding. That's why you have all these people saying, well, you know, you need the Bible to tell you right from wrong. No, we don't need the Bible to tell us right from wrong. We, we got it in us. We got, we got it in us. Bible tells us how to live and shows us how to get redeemed because living right without Christ, right? Morally, I'm, I'm a great moral person. I have very moral standards, but I don't have Christ. That leads us to hell. And having knowledge and not doing anything with it also leads us to hell. And so this this understanding that God's going to judge secrets is a reminder that people are having private thoughts and private encounters with Christ that we not that we don't know anything about. That's why we can't judge people. That's another reason why you can't judge people because you don't know. You don't know how the Lord is dealing with them. You do not know what is going on with them just because you never saw them come down the aisle at your church and get their life to Christ. You do not know if they know Jesus or not. You don't know. Okay. You don't know. Because if God has the ability to speak an entire world into existence, does he not have the ability to speak in a way that even the pagans can hear? Even those who don't know Christ, even those who don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, their ears are going to be so deaf that even God couldn't get a message through? No. 
And you don't know how many times they've been prompted. You don't know how many times there's been a tug. When you listen to conversion stories and testimonies before people start coming back to church, before people even um, dedicate their life to Christ, you start asking them, what led you there? How did you get there? There was a tugging on the inside. It wasn't just because a bunch of people told them about it. There was a tugging on the inside. There was, they were searching for something. And then they heard about the gospel and that connected immediately in their heart because their heart had already been searching for something. The Lord was already doing the work before you evangelists came to see them, before they heard a sermon, before they came to the United States, before the United States went to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was something already going on. There's these secret um conversations that God is having. It's in our DNA. There are these things being prompted. And that's really what Paul is talking about when he talks about the pagans who by nature could see things and know that there was a God, but still they chose to follow somebody else. He's not talking about the church. You believers who are judging, you feel like because you know the word, you got the word, you're safe. No, are you living it though? It's not enough for you to have it. Are you living it? Because what you are doing, the question is, what is good work? Good work is the will of God. Those who are doing good, those who are doing the will of God, the will of God as it is prescribed in the word, the will of God as it is prescribed in your prayer closet, the will of God as it is, it is uh, delivered to you through a messenger. Those who are, who have Christ and are working that thing out, walking that thing out, living that thing out. Those are the ones that are going to have eternal life because you can't get to heaven without it. The word says that. Not me. It's right here. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Um, God will repay each person according to what they have done. How does this apply to us? Because I know we're all in charge, so it's like, how does it apply to us? This really, this first part, like, not judging other people, that really requires self-reflection. It requires that you start asking yourself, when am I judging other people? When do I find, in what circumstances do I find myself judging other people? In what circumstances do I find I don't have a lot of grace for people? I'm charging their actions against them. They are guilty because of what they've done. Um, Self-righteousness, that's that's one that I feel like is sneaky because what happens is we're not necessarily talking about people who are wild. We're talking about people we feel like should know better. Like, oh, she called herself a Christian, but she doing such and such. He's supposed to be a pastor. She's supposed to be a pastor. And they doing such. Self-righteousness. That's judgment, by the way. It is passing judgment. Save that for God. Because when you pass judgment, you condemn yourself. Can you recognize, self-reflecting, can you recognize that you are also guilty of sin? That you cannot keep the law perfectly? Can you recognize that you are deserving of death? No, we're not. I'm not deserving of death. I'm a good person. I go to church. The Lord is still working on me. Okay. Well, if you can see that you are under God's grace, that should help you to stop judging. Then what do I need to confess and repent from? What is it that I need to confess to God, you know what? I have been cursing. I have been gossiping. I have been not fasting when you told me to fast. I have not been serving when you told me to serve. I have not been um, growing. I haven't been studying, but I have like whatever it is. I don't know what the Lord is telling you, but whatever. What is the thing that you need to be confessing and repenting from? You also need to know that God wants you to do good from his favor. You're not doing good so you can earn his love. We're not doing good so we can earn his favor. We already have his favor. We already have his love. And it's from that place that we are doing good. What does it mean to do good? Doing good is doing the will of God. Like I said before, in his word, the actual Bible, right? Am I doing what the Bible says? Uh, it means doing his word. Am Am I doing what he told me to do when I was in my prayer closet and my prayer time with him? Um, from a word, doing good is the will of God. From a word, did you get a word from a sermon, from a prophet, a messenger, 
a pastor, a preacher, a Bible teacher? Did you get a word that God expects us as believers to start to do something? Are you doing that? Because it's the will of God that we would do those things, that we would do what his word says, that we would do what he says in his word, what he says in his words as a prayer closet, that we would do what the word says as it comes forth from those he's, he's called to give us the message. And what are you doing with what you have? What are you doing with the revelations you do know? What are you doing with what you do know and understand? And I, and I want you to consider like where you're making excuses. Where are your excuses coming in? Are they coming in like about you serving? You making excuses about why you can't serve, why you don't want to serve, you don't feel like serving, you ain't got to serve, serving ain't going to get me in heaven, right? Are you making excuses about sowing? You're not giving, you're not tithing, I ain't got no money, I'm on a budget, it's Christmas time, it's this, it's that, what they need it for, we ain't even got no building. She ain't even got no building. She ain't even trying to have no building fund. I'm giving money to the church for what? I'm giving it to her for what? What's she going to do? What, what excuses are you making? When it comes to testifying, sharing about the gospel, I'm not telling nobody. I nobody need to know my business. Look, look, look. The Lord has called us to testify, to be a witness. Are you throwing your time and energy somewhere where God has told you to store your time and your energy, whether that looks like mentoring or cleaning or like something? You know, like, are you doing that? Are you loving the way Christ did? Are you making excuses? They're unlovable. They're hard to love. They're not nice. They don't deserve love. They broke my heart. They hurt my feelings. They don't even like me like that. They was talking about me. Are you loving the way God has called you to love? Are you leading? You know that God has called you to lead. Are you leading? Are you making excuses about not leading? Are you resistant? Are you throwing a little tantrum? Not doing what God wants you to do. You want to wait a little bit longer. You want to have willful disobedience. And as you are doing these things with what you do know right now, guess what? God is going to continue to reveal. God will reveal more. He already is revealing something new to us every single day. It's why he calls us to get in the word. It's a renewing of our mind. That's something that's got to happen on a daily basis. I also want you to take some time and consider the things that God has told you in secret by his spirit about launching the podcast, about starting the blog, about starting the YouTube channel, the soup kitchen, about volunteering, about uh, giving socks to the homeless, giving coats to the homeless, gloves to the homeless, feeding the homeless in cities where it's not illegal because it's illegal in some cities to feed the homeless. Don't get me started. What has God told you in secret? What has God told you to do in secret? In that secret closet? To write the book? To send the pitch email? To forgive? To reach out? To text? To call? To visit? To support? What is that thing? It feels like a net. You're like, you don't, I don't want to hear that. You just, oh, uh. What is what? That's the Lord? Uh. That's the Lord. Uh, I know that's got to be a net. It's this thing that keeps coming up that you know you're supposed to do, and you just you ain't doing it. You keep making excuses about it. You continue to make excuses. Somebody's lying to themselves. You say you're waiting on God. You're waiting on clarity. Lies. That's what the Lord said. That's not me because I don't know you. I don't even know who it's for. So it's not me. It's the Lord saying lies. Lies you tell. Somebody's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Next. Lies. I've been seeking, I've been praying, I've been fasting. No, you've been procrastinating. You've been running away. You've been making excuses. The truth is, you know exactly what you need to do and you know that you have what you need to do, it, but you just continue to refuse to do so because you prefer the position of victim than doing what God says. Consider the things you do and say in secret. Not the stuff that, you know, everybody knows. Um, I used to say this. I'm really, really trying to stop cursing, like using curse words. Um, it's changed a lot. Keeps me, takes my, takes my anger to the next level at cursing. Ever since um, 
Kurt Franklin's son recorded him. I'm like, oh, I gotta stop cursing because that is like it's not not from a place of judgment because I was cursed too. Not from a place of judgment, but from a place of like you can't get caught on a recording cursing if you don't curse. You see what I'm saying? Nobody can record you cursing if cursing is not something that you do, no matter how mad you get. There are people who get so mad, they still don't curse. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to use following. They just, it's not a part of who they are, whatever, whatever. Okay. And so after I saw that, I was like, ooh, I really, because uh, somebody could record me. And I was a pastor then. Somebody could record me. Oh, baby. I'm not cursing just for fun, but still, you know what I'm saying? I used to be like, oh, I used to be so shocked when I would see people type curse words online. Like, oh, you typed that out. <laughs> like, oh, what? You typed out that whole curse word? And so it's like, oh, see how that's judgy? But we we laughing, but it's true. We're like, oh, she did that. Oh, my God. She put that on her face. Oh, my God. We clutching our pearls. You know what I'm saying? But in your friend group, when somebody make you mad, you're cussing a little bit. You're tossing out some language. Right. Maybe you're not gossiping and talking about people all over the place, but what you saying in your little friend group? What y'all talking? What y'all gossiping in your little friend group? And if it feels like gossiping, then it is. If it's not gossiping, then hey. Hey. But I just want you to consider. Don't need to commit to do what God is telling you to do. As you take time to reflect, commit to do what God told you. Whatever God reveals to you by his spirit that you need to turn away from what God says for you to stop doing is not okay for you to do. Right. So, you know, the Lord told you to stop wearing jeans. He ain't to encourage that, but he told you that stop wearing jeans. I don't drink at all. And I, I'm not saying you can't drink. The Bible don't say that you can't drink. You want to drink, drink. I don't drink at all. Not a sip, not a taste. I'm fine with you doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not interested. And if something got alcohol in it, I want to know, is it cooked out? I don't want no rum sauce. And if you pour rum over the cake after it was made, I don't want that. I, I'm not interested at all. Why? Because the Lord said no to me. To me. not So it's sin for me. It's not sin for you. You can drink. Have a glass of wine. You know what I'm saying? It's holiday. Enjoy yourself. Have a holiday cocktail. It's your business. But for me, it's a no. That's it. So what thing are you doing? Maybe it's listening to secular music. Maybe it's certain shows that you're watching. Maybe it's certain movies. Maybe it's certain conversations, rooms, and groups that you want. I don't know. And it may not even be that bad. I would, you know, by the time I stopped drinking, by the time the Lord told me to stop drinking, I really was only drinking socially. You know, one margarita. Maybe if they two, maybe two margaritas at them. Two glasses of wine. You know, I wasn't doing the most. When he told me when it was done, he did it. He, I ain't going to tell y'all, he did it, that thing. I was like, oh, so like never drink again. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> I was like, that's my bad. I thought, you know. I know that's where we was going with this. That's where we going with it. So I don't know what it is that God has been telling you the spirit. It just hasn't been as easy for you to be around or do, but you're just ignoring it. It's like a little net you keep ignoring. I want to encourage you to repent and stop doing what you've been doing that God is calling you not to do. I want you to stop doing and start praying about that secret addiction that you have that don't nobody really know you're struggling with. Right? And truthfully, maybe you're in a place and you feel like you can't do it because you don't have Christ. It is in Christ Jesus that we have the power to do God's will. Do you see what I'm saying? It is through Christ Jesus that we have the power to do God's will. Now, I've been thinking, especially after, um, you know, studying and we've been talking about salvation. We did a whole breakdown of salvation and sanctification. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know how this might change me inviting people to come to know Christ, because I certainly don't want to present it in a way that is um, not fully right. So maybe you can't stop doing these things because you still need God's grace. And I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord meaning he is going to direct your path 
and you will be seeking him for instruction for your life and savior. Meaning you're going to allow him to go in your place that the you're going to allow for God to put all of your sin on Jesus who died on the cross and you're going to take on all of his righteousness that you're going to allow him to repay the debt that your sins created for you. But I want to make it clear here that the prayer is the beginning. Because this is about us following Christ. We're not Christians and also not disciples. If you're a Christian, then then you're a disciple. And if you understand what a disciple is, it means, I don't know how else to say it. It's not something that we see culturally. Um, then you are a, like you're a mentee, meaning I'm going to learn and do what they say the way they do it. We don't have that in our culture. It's not something that we do present day, so it can make it difficult for us to understand. But I don't want you to miss this. And I don't want you to get half of it. Because it's to those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality that will be given eternal life. Because by calling on the name of the Lord to save you, it's understood that you would then do what he says. And there's a way that he lived. And to be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. To be a Christian means that I'm modeling my life after Christ. I'm seeking him for instruction, for insight, for direction. What is he directing me to do? And I'm going to do it because he's the Lord of my life. I'm going to give up. I'm going to be a servant because it's the least I could do for what he's done for me. If you are ready for that, then I want to help you get started on this relationship with Christ as your Lord, with you as a servant to Christ. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me, for saving me, and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. Listen. If you said it, I want to welcome you to the family. Now that you're family, though, you got to act like it. That's what Paul is saying. (laughs) You ain't family if you don't act like it. That's what Paul is saying. Are you living the way that God has called us to live? Are you following Christ? You ain't got to be doing what everybody's doing at the level that everybody's doing it. It's your own uh, journey, but it is, in fact, a journey. And a journey implies movement towards direction, and our direction is to become more and more like Christ. That's what makes us Christians. Okay. Listen, if you said that prayer and you dedicated your life, please send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org so that we can get resources in your hand to help you in this lifestyle, to help you in this walk with Christ. We want to get you connected. We want to get you, get some resources and some tools in your hand. Okay. So send us an email. If you've decided that Bold Faith Community Church is your church, then we'd like for you to send us an email as well. Praise at boldfaithchurch.org. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church, if you've decided that this is your church home, you eat here, you sow here, go to boldfaithchurch.org. I encourage you to give every week if this is your home. Again, I'm going to say if you eat here, we encourage you to sow here. That's what family does. Now, y'all know we are not done. But if you like this teaching, then I want you to like this video. Consider sharing this with somebody in your community. And subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're more than a channel. 
You know what I'm saying? We're a community. Also, we have a goal to hit a thousand subscribers. Like that is our goal. So share, share, share. Because the pastor's birthday is December 23rd. And our anniversary is December 16th. <laughs> so we have so much to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? And we would love as a gift for us to hit 1,000 subscribers. Okay? For us to hit 1,000 subscribers before 2024. So be sure to subscribe. Also, we're here Monday through Friday with Mornings in the Word. We're reading through the Chronological Bible Reading Plan. Be sure that you um, go to our website. That's another thing, too. Let me just tell you this real quick. Go to the website. There's a link there for you to join the community, for you to come into the Zoom. But go to the website, boldfaithchurch.org. Uh, there's a section if you hit join. It is going to ask you for an email. It's going to redirect you directly to the Zoom. Now, listen. If it is not Saturday morning, and so you're watching the replay, you can still go to boldfaithchurch.org and sign up. And when you sign up, it's going to redirect you to the Zoom. We won't be there, though, which is fine. Um, but at least you'll be on the email list, and so you'll get the link emailed out to you. Because we also have a prayer call at 730, too, right before church, which you are welcome to join. Um, I think that's it. I hope I gave you everything that I was supposed to give you, <laughs> all the reminders, all the things. All right. I love you guys. And I cannot wait to see y'all inside the community and the small group right after church. All right. Love y'all. See you in a minute. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.